Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going back. Monday, April 18th, it's the call-up, your go-to prospect podcast. I'm Arm Layton, and Jack McMullen is joining me. Jack, you had one of the coldest minor league games of all time, I think, the other day. You got to experience that, and, and now it's a little bit warmer. Yeah, you know what the best part is? You can shut the windows when you're, when you're calling a game. So it was uh, no problem at all. Uh, I was actually in Indy calling a game in St. Paul. St. Paul with wind chill was 19 degrees on Friday night. I saw a lot of guys take some bad swings because they probably didn't want to be out there. But you know what? C'est la vie. Welcome to minor league baseball. and Welcome to St. Paul, Minnesota in the month of April. Yeah. You know, I, I took a look at at some of the video of that game. It looked miserable. Uh, by the mm-hmm. way, I talk about still to this day where where we played that club baseball series at Penn State. You and yeah. I uh, for Syracuse and. Uh, I had not played in a while at that point. It was snowing. I've never played in weather being a Florida guy below 60 degrees. My labrum was partially torn. I went to make a throw in it and that tore the rest of it. Uh, So I can understand why players are a little bit one guarded too uncomfortable there, but the swings that O'Neal Cruz was taking, uh, they they were not very inspired uh, from what I saw, but he, uh, he still had two hits, (laughs) which is crazy. Dude, he was putting like it, it was literally just throwing hands at the baseball. There was no hip movement. There was no torque. Like nothing was coming from O'Neill Cruz. He literally just threw his hands at two baseballs and he flicked two uh, over the third baseman's head. It, and like, he, he didn't swing until he had to. It was like three, two count. Like, ah, shit. OK, I'm going to I'm going to throw my hands at one ball. Yeah, I, I think it was a pretty miserable week for everybody on the field. But you know what? They're back. They're uh, taking on the Guardians AAA affiliate. And Ooh. it's going to be good. It's going to be a good week in Indy. And the weather should be a little bit better. So hopefully we see some better swings and some balls leave the ballpark. Well, it's going to be a good week for Just Baseball as well. We talked about how the Just Baseball Top 100 prospect list will be live on Monday. Uh, almost there. It'll be live tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, we have some developmental things that I'm really excited about with the list, including b- being able to click the player's name on the table at the top, and it'll drop you down to the player's write-up. Little things like that that I think will make a big difference. Going to take an extra day for our web developers and also for me uh, to, to finalize a couple of write-ups. But we wanted to stay on the theme of Top 100 because we did promise Top 100 conversation today. And I figured we might as well talk about the notable omissions or the just missed folks, because I know people really like to know kind of what went into it, why some of these guys might've just missed. And also this will clue you into a little bit of what the list could look like because these guys are not on it. Uh, And it was tough with some of them. Some of them I was 
really planning on having them in the top 100 until you had 100 players that were better. And then you're like, ah, okay, I guess they're not top 100. But it wasn't like a lot of these dudes, you look at them, you're like, oh, he's not a top 100 guy. Like they're right there. But then all of a sudden you're at the end of the top 100, you've done all your write-ups and you're like, there's a hundred players ahead of this guy. And that was the case for, for several of these players. Yeah. hundred percent. I, and you're going to see some guys who across the industry are thought higher of than we think. And you're also going to see a lot of diamonds in the rough that nobody's talking about that you kind of pinpointed and you think are just on the outside of the top 100. And if they did sneak into the top 100, it would be one of those take the step back and say, whoa, they got in. I don't know who that is. Let me click on the bio and do some research. Absolutely. And there's a few guys that I really wanted to put in there um, because I'm, I'm really high on them. I'm higher than uh, higher on them than maybe the rest of the industry, as you alluded to. But the problem is I can't let that push me across the finish line to make them top 100 guys. So I still want to give them their airtime here and discuss them, which we will in just a moment. Uh, but also there's some of the bigger names. And I think we should start with maybe some of the bigger names that might be more of a surprise. I think that we might get more questions on as to why they're not on the list. Uh, and, and I'm curious for, for you, Jack, is there one name before we jump into it and just kind of fly through them all? Is there one name that maybe surprises you the most or that you feel like could be the closest to, to being on that list that sticks out uh, of, of our notable omissions? Yeah. So you're talking like 101, 102. Yeah. Who would you like try to make the case for kind of sneaking in still? So I guess I would make the case for Greg Jones in the Tampa Bay Rays system, because I think Greg Jones, like, yes, the, the production numbers haven't necessarily been there, but you, you watch him and, and you see how fast this guy moves and you see how smooth he is doing everything coupled with what do you have on his speed grade? 75 easily. Yeah. 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 He's a 75, like fringe 80 grade runner. He's one of the faster guys in minor league baseball. Um, I side with speed very often if you can do something with it. Uh, and another guy that I know we're going to talk about in Vidal Bruhan, who yeah. is right on the cusp, that's a guy who has so much speed and is a good base runner. But how often do you get on base? Yeah. Over the course of the big league career, I think Greg Jones gets on base a bit more than Vidal Bruhan. I hope so, because, you know, Greg Jones is someone that, that we interviewed in the past and He's one, a, a really heady player, and I like the way he approaches the game, and he's a really cool dude. But you ask anybody in the Rays org, they'll say that Greg Jones is the most athletic player in the organization. I, every Rays player I've talked to, anybody you ask will say that Greg Jones, and they won't even blink. They won't take a second. The thing with Jones is he's kind of developed power now, too, where he hit 14 home runs in 72 games last year. And I asked him, I said, how do you find that balance, right? Now you're tapping into power, but you also want to make sure you, you can put the bat on the ball and utilize your elite speed. How do you strike that balance? And he's like, I'm glad you asked that because that's the exact thing I'm trying to work on right now is, you know, how do I make sure that I'm putting the bat on the ball as much as I can, because I know I'm going to beat out a lot of baseballs, a lot of ground balls that most people won't, but I also have the potential to hit 20 plus home runs. And that's valuable in today's game. How do I do both? He's still figuring that out. And I think that's the one thing that's holding him back from like just sneaking in. He's probably as close to 101 as as most of these guys are. Yeah. And I think best case scenario for Greg Jones in terms of the power is he becomes an opportunistic power hitter. So if he feels like he has a good pitcher hitter matchup, if he's got, you know, a right hander that he feels like he's seeing well, who is throwing majority fastballs, 
maybe he gets his A swings off in that at bat. And then the other ones, he's focused on putting the ball in play and using his speed and, you know, line drives and hard ground balls that might find a hole instead of lifting. Absolutely. And I always talk about that with guys like that is leveraging your hitters counts. And he struggled after getting promoted double A. He's off to a bit of a slow start. Uh, but now it's his second taste of double A. I'm really interested to see how he does. And he's somebody that could easily force his way into the top 100 with a good first half here by the time we do the update at midseason. Uh, so definitely a name to watch. And there's there's a handful of Rays. So we might as well just start with all of the Rays, right? And get them out of the way. Yeah. Um, a- another guy is Vidal Bruhan. And I think people might be surprised that Bruhan just misses the cut here. And Bruhan for me was somebody that was I was like, okay, He's a top 100 guy. And then I'm doing more write-ups. I'm doing more write-ups. I'm filling out the rest of the 100. And I keep just dropping Bruhan and dropping Bruhan and dropping Bruhan and putting a guy ahead of him. And all of a sudden, Bruhan's at 90. All of a sudden, he's at 96. Then all of a sudden, you know, he's out. And it really was for me just more fresh faces with upside that have not demonstrated the limitations that Vidal Bruhan has already demonstrated uh, at the triple a and big league level. I I think Bruhan could be a very interesting and dynamic player, but I just don't know how much he's going to get on base. I don't love the bat. uh, And and I really haven't seen him put it all together. He had that torrid start to the season last year in triple a, and then really tailed off and hasn't really come back to that. Yeah. I mean, he's only played two games so far in the, uh, in the triple a season for Durham and he's three for 10. Um, Here's my thing about, about Bruhan. Uh, I, he's tough or he's three for eight. Pardon. Here's my thing about Bruhan is he at points excels against triple a pitching. Yeah. Um, but against big league pitching, I mean, he was blown up and it was non-competitive when he got up for what, 10 games with Tampa last year. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm really concerned about that. And I don't think, you know, Oh, small sample size. Like that was his first taste of the bigs. I like Kelnick. Um, Kelnick, I'm starting to be concerned about because he he looks outmatched at points by big league pitching. That's my thing with Bruhan. I think when Bruhan runs into legitimate prospects at the AAA level, he looks a teensy bit outmatched. And then when he runs into career quadruple A guys that are constantly bouncing up and down, then he puts together those at bats that heighten the OPS, that heighten the on base percentage, and that even net him a double or two. Um, I, I don't think he's going to hit for power at the big league level like Greg Jones will. No. Um, do I think that he's got as much speed as anybody and he's going to be you know, one of the best base stealers in Major League Baseball when he comes up? Yeah, but think about it. Adalberto Mondesi is one of the best base stealers in Major League Baseball. How valuable to your team is Adalberto Mondesi? He's pretty similar. Him, he's pretty similar right? to Adalberto Mondesi, to be honest. I, I, I see a lot of similarities between the two. Um, you know, and, and I guess if Mondesi's healthy all the time, he's a has a better outlook. But Mondesi's not this game changer for you. He's not this really exciting impact big leaguer that um, you know is is altering your lineup. That's kind of what I see Bruhan becoming: just dynamic speed, a good enough bat to ball to to, to get in the lineup a decent amount. But he's not going to get on base that much, and when he does, he'll make the most of it. But but that's about it. And that's what I kind of see. And not to mention the switch hitting side of things, man. He's not good from the right side, or at least has not been good. It was bad last year, 197, 278, 401 slash line from that right side. Uh, So, you know, that inconsistency as a switch hitter is a bit concerning as well. I'm just not all the way in on him being a top 100 guy at this point. I think we've seen enough 
where I'm waiting for something to change and nothing really has for a couple of years now. He does one thing exceptionally well, and that's run. So, you know, best case scenario, he's at Alberto Mondesi, where he is a, a great third middle infield option. He's a great utility guy off the bench that can have dynamic speed, like you said. Um, I think if, if he reaches his median, he turns into somebody like Eddie Adrianza, who has logged 10 years of Major League Baseball from being a utility guy and yeah. bouncing around and doing just enough to stick on a Major League roster. and. With the median being Adrianza, that's not a top 100 guy right now. No, it, it just isn't. And, and I mean, the power was never there. Last thing I'll say on him is until he got to AAA with the big league baseballs in Durham, and, and that's where he ran into 12 home runs. Uh, I, that's going to be the problem as well. It's just, just not enough impact to justify the lack of ability to get on base. And then the speed is compromised by the lack of ability to get on base. And you, you pair all that together, extremely frustrating. But he can play second. He can play short. He could probably play third if you needed him to. He can play center field. Uh, yeah. And he can be a very valuable utility man, even if he can hit at a, at a 40-grade clip. You know, I think yeah. that, that would be enough to make him a legitimate big leaguer for a while. Uh, but, yeah, you're hoping he can put it together a little bit more than that. Uh, yeah. Another guy that has the bat to ball. I think if you could combine these guys as prospects, it'd probably – probably be a little bit more exciting. Uh, Xavier Edwards just misses as well. And, and, and Edwards for me at least is leaning into the kind of player that he is, which I do like to see, like he's focusing on his strengths and excelling at his strengths, but he has not even a semblance of power. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's just not the problem is what is, what does Xavier Edwards do to be an impact big leaguer? He has to hit three thirty. Yeah, he's we just talked about it before we started recording. He's Nicky Lopez, right? He's speaking With speaking to other Royals guys that are out of position. Um, Xavier Edwards in 249 career minor league games has hit one home run. Correct. So, I mean, and he's never going to hit home runs. I mean, it's just not going to happen. He's leaning into who he is, though, which is bat to ball switch hitter. Another great speed guy. And he hit 302 last year. The 377 on base at double A is incredibly encouraging, uh, but a 368 slug, 113 WRC plus. And the other side of things is he's not a very efficient base stealer. 19 stolen bases on 30 attempts. So yeah. for a guy that's an elite runner, not a great base stealer at this point. Uh, I was really encouraged by the walks, the ability to get on base, but I just don't know if I can justify in today's game, right? We're talking about today's game. Vidal Bruhan's biggest strength is stolen bases, something that is, is less relevant in today's game. We're ranking top prospects for Major League Baseball moving forward. How do they translate in their value to, to the big league level in today's world? Edwards and Bruhan just are – these guys would be top 100 prospects 15, 20 years ago. But well, in, even in the, seven years ago. Yeah. Just in today's version of Major League Baseball, these guys just don't, don't impact the game enough. Okay, so these guys are really, really fast. If you're going to be a contributing member at a serious level to a Major League Baseball team with that type of speed, your bat has to look a little bit less like Nicky Lopez and a little bit more like Jose Siri with Houston, where Siri is one of the fastest guys in Major League Baseball, but his bat profile is he pokes a few out. He's a power guy um, that is skinny and super fast. So he's yep. going to swing and miss a little bit, but he can pump out. If he played 162 games, 
He looks like a 15 to 20 home run guy. Um, the batting average would not be good. The OBP would be nowhere near as close as what Xavier Edwards could do. But the power is the game changer. And the, the power is what you need in 2022. Absolutely. And, and we're not even saying you have to be this, this game-changing you know, runner. But if, or, sorry, game-changing power guy. But you got to be able to impact the baseball and hit some doubles and, and just make a difference there. If you look at the fastest players in today's game, aside from like Tim LoCastro, most of the guys that are putting up the best sprint speeds are putting up some power too. I mean, yeah. at the very least, even a Brandon Marsh, who's, who's one of the best now in terms of speed, like that guy's impacting the baseball at a, just a different level than yeah. some of these other dudes. Even Tim LaCastro, I would argue, is impacting the baseball at a different level of an Xavier They can Edwards. go gap to gap. They don't yes. spray. Xavier Edwards sprays. Exactly. Uh, but you know what? That's, that's what he leans into. That's his strength. And he's going to be a good utility guy for a while. Uh, which I think is is ultimately what what his what his goal is I think or at least what the Rays' goal is for for them or for him. But ultimately, I just I just don't see how he can impact the game enough. Uh, that's it really for the Rays. The other, only other guy that I would talk about is Jonathan Aranda. I wanted yeah. to put Aranda in there. He is such a good hitter, uh, but he's positionless. And to me, I, I looked at the back end. You could have two, and I'll spoil with one guy that'll be in there. You could have two positionless guys that were really up for consideration here. Only one of them can, can really make it with, with how many spots we had left there. It was Vinny Pascantino or Jonathan Aranda. Pascantino's power is on a different level. And uh, that's really what put him over the top over Aranda. Aranda has been spectacular offensively, but without a position, it's really hard to justify him being in there ahead of some of the shortstops, young shortstops, young outfielders, young pitchers that we had in the back end of the top 100. Vinny can come up and hit 260 with 25 homers I, I over really, 162. I think he could. Yeah. I think I, I can't wait. I, he, he has not stopped hitting. I think he's a 140 something WRC plus now in his career uh, in the minor leagues. Look good in spring training. The guy just continues to hit. So, so I, I'm, he, I'm really excited about him. Here's my thing about some of those big guys. Um, some of them look like, you know, they're, they're swinging for the heavens and they, and they come up with absolutely nothing. Like when Daniel Vogelbach is not right, oh. um, it's brutal to watch, but Vinny swings a very similar bat. I think he's got a very similar profile to Jesus Aguilar, um, yeah. where Aguilar is, he's going to make a lot of contact. He's going to make a lot of hard contact. And while he will give you literally zero defensively. Aguilar is somebody that you can lean on as a run producer. And, and that's what Vinny Pascantino is going to be for a decade. And I think that overall value is greater than a Ronda. Totally. And the thing with Pascantino is he's putting up better exit velos already than somebody like a Jesus Aguilar. So you combine that in there with that and you, you got to just lean into him being a top 100 guy and the approach is strong. I really marvel at the way he he approaches the game and, and his at-bats and the way he commands at-bats. I'm a huge Vinny Pascantino fan. Aranda's very similar, uh, but just not quite enough impact compared to Pascantino. When we talk about just the raw power and the game power, uh, so he's a just missed as well. One name that I think we'll probably catch the most flack for, but I personally think, you know, and respectfully, because I, I, I know I, I hear great things about him in terms of his makeup, uh, and I think he could still figure it out. But Quinn Priester uh, is a just miss. And I think Pirates fans are not going to be thrilled with Quinn Priester not quite making the cut. To me, 
I feel like I have to imagine too much to see what Quinn Priester could be at the big league level if it works out. I feel like I'm trying to dream too hard on Quinn Priester because the stuff just isn't that great. So with the top 100 pitching prospect, what's the strikeout per nine rate that you want to see? 10 or above? You generally hope so. And if it's not, then you want pinpoint command. So Quinn Priester is at 9.3 strikeouts per nine over his major league career. He was at nine flat last year at high A. That's not where you want it. So if you're not there, then again, you have to have pinpoint command. Um, If you're striking out nine guys per nine innings with Quinn Priester's type of pitch mix, what do you want the walks per nine to be at? One and a half? Yeah, it's it's got to be in percentages, six, seven percent. He was at three and a half. So he was up near 10 percent. Yeah. See, for, for me, I, I'm again, I'm, I'm imagining too hard. What What is the scenario here? The stuff ticks up and he gets more strikeouts or he his command develops. And now he's one, maybe having a little bit more of, of the swing and miss for that regard. And also you know, keeping the ball in the yard and getting more outs and ground balls or whatever. He's supposed to be a guy that has a mid nineties fastball and what is a devastating curveball, but the curveball doesn't quite play the way that I think people really make it out to play. And yeah. also the fastball is just extremely flat. I like how you're saying it too. Like it's, it's hard to imagine because with a top 100 pitching prospect, those should be the guys that make you sit back and say, Whoa, this is happening. Yes. You shouldn't have to dream on the stuff. Because usually the top 100 pitching prospects, when they're 17 years old and they they come over to full season ball for the first time, you watch them and it's like, oh my God, that fastball is electric. And that slider is moving like crazy. This is pretty fun. And I'm excited to see him start to dial it in. Priester, the question is, will the stuff tick up? And I, I did not feel good about what I saw from him in spring training in terms of the command, in terms of the stuff, the fastball looked flat. Uh, the, the breaking ball, look, that, that pitch can be really good, but you can't just ride a, a devastating curveball uh, all the way. It's hard to locate that first strike. The changeup is pretty non-existent, and he doesn't really have much else. So I, I'm not huge on him. He just misses, but he's a hard worker. He's still 21. Uh, he has a good frame. There's a chance he could put it together and, and take things up to the next level, and then all of a sudden – now Quinn Priester has a different outlook, but right now I, I just don't see it at this moment. Another shortstop to get back to the infield that yeah. I, again, industry guy, I, I see him up there for a lot of different rankings. Geraldo Perdomo shortstop for the diamondbacks. Uh, he's been up at the big league level now in two different really short stints has not done much. Uh, he kind of finished strong in the last couple of games in 2021, uh, has not done much in 2022 thus far. He's shorthanded defensively. He can run, but this is a, a classic case for me of somebody that doesn't really excel at anything. And I don't quite see what, what people see in him. Honestly, I, I just don't understand. There's some bat to ball, but there's limited impact and he doesn't really have anything that stands out to me or anything that I can really lean on and say, this is how Perdomo is going to carve out his career other than some decent defense and speed. I will say in 321 career minor league games, he's gotten a 120 point jump from batting average to OBP. So he gets on base. He's got this. Oh, no, he walks. On- that, that's a good point. That is the one, one positive. 
yeah, he walks and he doesn't strike out, but, but when he does put the bat on the ball, like what's it going to do? And, and there's a ceiling on his damage that he does. That's pretty much what it boils down to for me. A little bit more power than obviously an Xavier Edwards, but what is six? That's home pretty runs? easy to do. Yeah. What is, what is six? You know, I, I just, I look at what he does. He's got to be an elite, elite defender. If he's going to be somebody that cracks this list, I think he's a good defender. I think he's a good runner. Uh, getting on base helps. I think he should carve out a decent big league career for himself, but I just don't know if I see quite enough impact here to be a top 100 guy, but he's close enough given that he walks a lot. There's bat to ball. There's some tools, but I, I just don't love the offensive ability. Really. I just, I just don't like the swing uh, in terms of being able to, to really produce at the big league level. And we know how big that is at shortstop now. Unless you're a gold glover, you got to hit home runs. I mean, how many top shortstops don't hit 10 to 15 to 20 to 30 home runs? None. None. I'm, I'm trying to think about them. Yeah, like I, I'm thinking the guy I, among top flight shortstops, the two with the least power are probably Trey Turner and Tim Anderson, and they do so many great things. To, and Trey Turner already has power now. Like he's he's now developed into right. more power. So right. it's like, and, and Tim Anderson's a 20 homer guy. Um yeah. Another thing to note about Perdomo's six home runs, you mentioned it at double A in 82 games. That was with Amarillo as his home ballpark. Amarillo plays like the surface of the moon. The <laughs> ball flies at Hodgetown in Amarillo. Well, there you go. And that's always important too, for especially the context of guys that really didn't hit for much power in the past. Uh, and all of a sudden you see him run into a few more and you're like, okay, what changed? Um, yeah. And the answer is the air. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then one other shortstop that I'm sure Mets fans will not be thrilled, did not make the list. Uh, but Ronnie Mauricio <laughs> is out on this one. Mauricio, uh, look, he, he's going to hit for power at shortstop. He's interesting. He's got some intriguing offensive upside. You can, you can imagine it with Mauricio, but the problem is you really have to imagine. It seems very far away and difficult difficult to see coming to fruition. He's got one of the most aggressive approaches I've seen. He swings at everything chase right in the 40 something percent, even as a switch hitter, it's just on the front foot going to get stuff. He's easy to beat. He keeps getting taller. He's longer to the ball. There's a ton of swing and miss, and there's just not enough complementary skills to, to justify it. He's not, he has great defensive tools, but he makes a ton of errors. He has great offensive tools, but he strikes out a lot and doesn't hit enough. He's not a great runner anymore. He's, if anything, a below average runner. And what are you, what are you calling on for Ronnie Mauricio here to be a top 100 prospect other than the offensive upside? And you can cite the youth, but the guy now has, has a lot of ABs under his belt and has not really put anything together. Um, <laughs> I just, I went back to, to, find a text that you sent myself and Aram Finkelstein um, and in our editor group text. And you said about Ronnie Mauricio, if he hits, he can be a good hitter, which like <laughs> it sounds idiotic. I know. And it's like, come on, Aram. That was dick, my, but... that was my Yogi Bearism of the day. Exactly. But you know, like <laughs> Ryan immediately responded and said, that's some great analysis. If he hits, he can be a good hitter. But honestly, that's kind of what Ronnie Mauricio needs to do. If, if he actually takes balls and swings at strikes, he could be fine. But the problem is he swings at strikes and he swings at balls. He swings at everything. 
Uh, there's a lot of moving parts to his swing. He tried to tame things down a bit in the second half, but even then it was like, you could see it almost affecting now his just ability to, to even attack at all. It was almost like overthinking his own ABs. I, you don't like to see that a 44% chase rate is, is rough. There is some hope with the, with the zone contact. It's not as bad as you'd think it is, but the approach is just bad. The pitch rec is bad. And uh, again, the speed is, is not there. And then he committed jacket, which, which is a really surprising thing. I don't think people realize how bad he has been defensively 22 errors in 95 games at shortstop between that's a lot. It's a lot of errors. And that comes off of 23 errors in low A in 2019 and 106 games. Really good defensive tools, uh, but, I mean, just the routine plays seem to, to give him challenges. So I, I just don't think I've seen enough. He doesn't walk, strikes out. How do, you, how do you really put this guy ahead of some of the other dudes that we have in here? To me, he's not even ahead of some of the other dudes we just talked about. Yeah, I'm with you. A guy that has hit enough to, to make his case, but his ceiling just seems too limited is Josh H Smith came over to the Texas Rangers in the Joey Gallo deal. And somebody that I definitely considered into the 11th hour uh, when it comes to the top 100 uh, consideration, he does everything pretty well. He plays pretty good shortstop, good bat to ball. He runs pretty well. Uh, and, and was, was a piece that I know the Rangers were very excited to get. Uh, but there's not enough impact. And I think you're going to kind of see that's the trend here, not enough impact. And it's hard to envision exactly what his ceiling would be because it's very hit tool dependent. Yeah. I will say through 11 games with triple a round rock so far in 2022, he's hitting 196. Um, so, you know, obviously slow start, like a lot of people have slow starts. I just saw Jose Miranda have a slow start for St. Paul, but you know, he's, he's ticking up right now. Smith, I, I am curious with the ceiling, like you're saying. So what does it look like? Does it look like he can dethrone somebody that's already occupying a spot in the Rangers order? I don't think so. That offense is pretty good. So we'll see how he develops. He's a triple a guy right now at 24 years old. With Young on the mend, it feels like if you're going to call somebody up, it's Josh Smith. And I don't know if Josh Smith is, is a positive war guy for the Texas Rangers right now. Not yet. you know. And, and he's somebody that really got impacted by 2020. Because right? he's a 2019 draftee, second-round pick. And then misses 20, the 2020 season. He was already older in that draft class. So now gets another year docked from him. So really gets his career started at 23. Does everything he can to make up for lost time dominates out of the gate with the Yankees kind of earning himself uh, to be that trade piece over to the Rangers and then was good with the Rangers the rest of the year already is made up for lost time to get up to triple a, but yeah, he, he still needs another, another year or at least another half a season to get things going. Could be a phenomenal utility guy. Again, feel like we're repeating ourselves, but that's why these guys just miss. They kind of all fit in a similar bucket here. And maybe if Smith had elite speed, he could be more of a consideration, uh, but a very hit tool dependent guy that has closer to just above average speed is going to limit him. But I think he could be a really dynamic utility type of player. And I wouldn't rule out the ceiling of a Joey Wendell type uh, with maybe not quite the tools, but similar ish, which is a best case scenario there and probably just not enough to be a top 100 guy. Yeah. Best case scenario being Joey Wendell is, is hard to dream on. 
Yeah, even though that could be a very solid big leaguer and a good piece for the Texas Rangers. Hey, as long as Josh Smith doesn't wear batting gloves and goes with the three quarters cut shirt underneath the jersey, I'm in. I think Joey Wendell has has more of an old timey baseball look than really anybody. And I think I'm, the three quarters undershirt kind of helps his cause. That would probably put him in the top 100 if, if Josh Smith uh, kind of just owned that, just yeah. started to try to embody uh, somebody like Joey Wendell. I will say like he, Wendell's a good player. I, I really do like the way he plays. I, no, I'm, he's I'm a, a big good fan player. I'm thinking if, if Josh Smith had bare hands while hitting and just went down, grabbed a scoop of dirt and rubbed it between his hands and, and re-gripped the bat between every pitch or maybe like spit on his bare hands and clap them together between every pitch. I think he's a top 100 guy. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's, what's missing. Um, so to now that our credibility is burned because we're just saying that he just needs to put dirt in his hands to be a top 100 guy. That's all it takes. It's just baseball. Just do the think, right. Things. I don't think credibility is burned. I, I think that's on me. That was my idea. So you still have yours. No, no, but I'm agreeing, start. But, but I'm agreeing with it. Got you. I'm, okay. I'm admitting to it. Uh, if Perfect. he rubs dirt in his hands, he's a top 100 guy. So that's all Josh. H. We got to remember that baseball is an entertainment business. So that's <laughs> so, more entertaining than the random of, guy with the medieval, you know, elbow guard. That's one of the grades on our scale too, is entertainment value. Uh, and, yeah. and he's just not there yet. Uh, but someone that is there entertainment wise and literally actually might be a just missed because of the entertainment thing. So I'm not helping our case whatsoever is Jackensi Noel. Yeah. Uh, Kenzie Noel is probably one of the most entertaining dudes out there. Uh, when you watch him hit, I always mention how he walks out to 50 cent, like has the big chains too. And it's just this big dude. So it just kind of fits. Like, it's just really cool. He's a brute force hitter. Uh, he put up routinely put up velos, exit velos over 110 miles an hour last year. Uh, crazy pop, better bat to ball than people wouldn't expect from somebody of his, of his stature. Uh, but a very, very aggressive approach that he got away with through the lower levels and also a bit positionless. Um, you know, I think he can get away with the outfield or, or third base in the meantime, but it's just not one of those things where you're saying, oh, okay, yeah, he's definitely a third baseman. So the position question mark kind of hurts a little bit too, uh, but he was spectacular last year, 19 home runs in like 54 games. Uh, between low A and high A is off to a great start this year. So despite the the aggressive approach, he still keeps the K rate and has kept the K rate in check, which if he does that at double A, at a certain point, you just got to say he's one of those guys that can overcome the aggressive approach. And I really think because of the quality of contact and just the bat to ball skills that he could do that. Um, but he just hasn't shown enough for us to be like, okay, we're going to overlook some of the limitations. Another reason that I absolutely love that a lot of these organizations just roll with the initial measurements at time of signing. John Kensey Noel is listed at 6'1", 180 pounds. There's no shot. He's not 6'1", 180 pounds. He's, he's probably 6'3", 6'4", and pushing 240. Yeah. I, when I look at, when I saw that listing, I was like, there's no way. He's a they, monster. They take he's it when mammoth. they sign him when they're 16 years old, and then they stop doing it. He's a mammoth mammoth person huge um, he hit 113 mile per hour home runs on back-to-back at-bats yeah. that's just all i got like i don't know how many people have done that in the minor leagues recently but um, or in the bigs or in the bigs 113 home runs back-to-back you just don't see that often he is super special with the bat but just not enough 
track record. If you're going to be a, a positionless or defensively limited guy with an aggressive approach, I need like three seasons of Matt. Like Vinny Pascantino has had now almost three seasons of just mashing or at yeah. least two really large bodies of work of mashing. I need to see Noel do it for at least half of the season. And I think he's starting to get into that consideration because of the raw pop. He's off to a good start through six games. He's got a 992 OPS. He's he's six for 18 with two doubles and a bomb. Uh, second guy that we've mentioned in the just missed, along with Vidal Brujan from uh, San Pedro de Macaris in the DR. That, aside from Santo Domingo, is the hotbed. Like, that's yeah. where Fernando Tatis Jr. is from. Um, a lot of big leaguers. San Pedro de Macaris in the Dominican Republic. I like that. All right. I, I've probably been there. I used to travel all over the DR and uh, uh, give out, you know, baseball equipment. And that was like one of my favorite, that was my, my charitable uh, venture through like high school that I loved doing. And I went from park to park and you could see just the one interesting thing is just how different each little pocket of the Dominican Republic is like different yeah. play styles, different, different, almost attitudes to the game. And you could see how when people are always distinguishing the, the different areas you're like, Oh, but it's all the Dominican Republic. No, it, it's not. It's almost like saying certain parts of America are all the same. I know it's a way smaller area, a way smaller country. Uh, but the DR has a lot of different pockets that produce different types of players. And it's really cool. Honestly, the more you learn about it and the more you learn about the different areas, but just so much talent that comes out of there. The, the, the big leaguers per capita there is just outrageous. It's absolutely Dude, outrageous. It, it's ridiculous. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the list of guys from San Pedro de Macaris. I see Johnny Cueto. I see Robinson Cano, Sammy Sosa, Jose Valverde, Fernando Tatis, senior and junior, Alfonso Soriano. Um, I see Reynaldo Lopez, Vidal Brujan, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, I mean, it can keep on going. Domingo Herman, Rymel Tapia, Miguel Sano, Jorge Ooh. Polanco. It's ridiculous. That was the number of guys. You, learning that area, going out there was one of the one of the most humbling and cool things I've ever done. I would love to get back there. And now that we know where a lot of these different players came from, <laughs> God, this is where these are where these players came from. This is where these players came from. And uh, yeah, it, it is it is amazing what they have going on over there with the amount of talent they can pump out. Uh, the 2020 draft pumped out a lot of talent too. Uh, and two of the guys that were taken pretty early in that 2020 draft: Asa Lacy, who just misses, and also, Justin Foscue, who just misses. Start with Lacey uh, as we get close to wrapping up uh, all these names here. He is supremely talented. Uh, he was you know, a top five pick for good reason. He's got a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of talent uh, and, and a few different ways that he can attack you. But the problem is the command just wasn't there for Asa Lacey last, last year at all. Really at all. He walked seven batters per nine innings in his 52 innings in high A, uh, when you're seeing some of his fellow peers in that draft class starting in double A and succeeding, where he's starting in high A and struggling, not great. Uh, it, it has not looked great through the first couple starts for him. It's looked better uh, from what I watched back, but just not enough for me to justify him being in the top 100. He went to the fastball 70% of the time and still walked guys at, at a ridiculous clip. It, it, just the command's too far off right now. Yeah, my only thought on Asa Lacey is he can't throw strikes. I, I think the pitches are good. I think the pitches are electric, but he can't throw them for strikes. No, and when you're throwing a fastball 70% of the time, it doesn't really matter how good your secondary stuff is, right? I mean, if it's not in the strike zone, it doesn't matter. And, and that's the issue for Lacey. Could put it together and explode and be on every top 100 list by midseason. Uh, but for now, there's just too much bullpen risk. 
uh, and there's just too much inconsistency on the bump. Uh, with Justin Foscue, outrageously good start to his career last year uh, in terms of just being able to jump out of the gate and, and demolish high A pitching. 14 home runs in 33 games had people pretty shocked at what Foskey was doing because he was one of those picks at 14th overall. People were like, 14th overall for a second baseman? What are the Texas Rangers doing? Well, gets the call up to double A, was okay, not great. Power took a big hit. Injured to start the season, I believe. Um, but for me, it's just not enough consistency. He's 23, and he's a second baseman. Um, it's it's very dependent on the offensive production. And when I look at the Nick Gonzalez's, the Nick York's, those types of guys that are second baseman on the top 100 list, Foskey's just nowhere near that. Nowhere near. Um, and you mentioned the production being there. Like, the, the counting numbers are good. Um, but a lot of the stuff that I know that you look a little bit deeper into than I look into, uh, because I'm a dinosaur, uh, is, you know, trending in the way that like raises a couple of concerns about Foscue. And I, with a lot of these top 100 guys, it's, it's really hard to raise concerns about them. You know, there are some guys like Jason Dominguez where, you know, you can have concerns raised because, you know, obviously he had them, but you saw a tangible adjustment made. Um, with Foskey, like there are too many concerns to have a number attached to his name right now. Am I wrong? Yeah. And then just not enough to, to love, right? Like I, I like the pop for a second baseman, but he's a second baseman who's dependent on pop with swing and miss, right? He struck out 27 at a time. Yeah. It, like legit. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's, it's just not enough for 23 year old. Um, but I will say he's, he's done nothing to hurt his stock since being drafted. No one was putting him in top 100 lists when he was first drafted. And I think if anything, he's maybe helped his case a little bit by showing that he has more power in the tank than people thought, uh, but just still not enough there real quickly on the last couple guys, before we talk about uh, which we would still invest in, uh, which I think is a really interesting topic of conversation. Uh, Joey Bart is off to a pretty good start to his 2022. He just misses this year because I just think there's too much swing and miss. I don't really believe in the bat and the glove is not, you know, elite. It's fine. It's good. It's not elite, uh, but just a really wonky approach, a long swing, a uh, very pull happy. Don't believe in the pitch rack, uh, but he has two home runs to start the year. Okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. I like your concerns with Bart or Velo. Your concerns with Bart yeah, are, are handling high thing. pitches and Velo. That's the and, biggest thing. Uh, if you're hitting 111 or whatever against 93 and up, it, I don't see how you succeed at the big league level other than cheating. You'll cheat. You'll catch <laughs> a few. Uh, but then you're going to catch breaking balls in the front leg and, and look like an idiot when you're cheating for 95 up. Uh, Bart's caught two homers, but he's also striking out 50% of the time through you know his first 26 plate appearances. So it, it's just... It's just not enough. You're praying for a Mike Zanino outcome, but he's not as good defensively as Mike Zanino. So, like, what are you actually praying for? I, uh, you're still praying for Zanino, I guess, because like, what what Zanino, what Zanino supplies defensively, you're hoping Bart compensates for with more homers. I guess. I guess. But even then, like, I don't, I don't think it's fair to dream on 40 homers from Joey Bart. No, not at all. It's just not going to happen. So I, I'm not huge on Bart, and I think the future of the of the Giants. Catching situation is probably Pat Bailey, who's also somewhat of a just-missed guy, just not enough uh, track record hitting there and need to see a little bit more improvement defensively. Gavin Williams, last guy I wanted to mention, maybe as close as any pitcher uh, on this list. I really like him. I'm almost positive he will be on here by midseason. 
just not enough track record in college, exploded his junior season, was a reliever prior to that at East Carolina, was great the junior season. I've liked what I've seen so far. Fastball VLO is easy triple digits or easy upper 90s. The, the secondary stuff is nasty, uh, but we need a little bit more than one college season and a few little flashes in the minor league so far to put him over some of these guys that are in consideration in the back end of the top 100. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Gavin Williams, we know is electric at Ace Carolina. Um, if the electricity keeps on coming, then he's going to climb into the top 100. He might keep on climbing up and and he feels like a guy that the guardians are just going to plug and play. He feels like he's going to have an easier acclimatization process than uh, Cal Quantrill. And Quantrill was kind of the same way. He was a high floor college arm taken that struggled a little bit with the Padres, was acquired via trade. It took him a sec to get acclimated, but once he did, Quantrill has become a good MLB starter. I think that's what Gavin Williams is going to do with, with a speedier process. And nasty stuff, though. Like, he could be a front – I think he could be a front-line guy if he puts it all together. You think he can? I think he's a mid-rotation guy. The velos, I think that's the most likely outcome, but the stuff is crazy. It's command. The stuff is crazy. We'll see. I think we agree to disagree there. I, I think his I think his ceiling is a really good high stuff three. Let's see. I, I'm excited. I, I really think regardless, by the middle of the season, he could be a top 100 consideration here. Um, and then Oscar Colas, quick shout out. <laughs> Didn't really get considered, um, but I'm looking forward to hopefully putting him on in the middle of the season. White Sox outfielder came over from Japan, but he's Cuban put up ridiculous numbers in Japan for a guy that 19, 20 years old. Remember that's equivalent to really high A, double A, probably closer to double A quality of competition. Colas put up a one eleven to dead center the other day. I mean, he, he can really hit really good bat speed. I like him a lot. You just made White Sox fans really happy. <laughs> yeah. Especially for that system. They need Oscar Colas. To the worst it. system in baseball by a, a very long shot. I, so the, the last segment here, as we go through most of these players, they, they almost all have, Bowman Chromatos. And so, you know, for our collector's digest segment uh, with eBay, I would love to know who you would invest in out of these guys, assuming their prices are all the same because they're all relatively similar. Josh H. Smith is surprisingly expensive. I think just being a Yankees prospect and then also, you know, being part of a big trade probably just gravitated uh, more, more collectors towards him. Foscu is a little bit more up there than other guys. Noel is going to be in the new checklist that comes out in about a week or so. Yeah. Uh, who out of this group would you still be buying out of the names that we went over? Yeah. So I actually don't hate buying Foscu because I think Foscu, like we, we joked Dan Ugla, but think about if Keston Hura got hot right away. If Foscu gets hot right away, that's a quick turnaround because that's a second baseman that, is hitting pop, like it has serious pop. And it's like, wow, he looks like 35 homers. Um, and if Foscue does put that type of thing together with high swing and miss rates, but also with high power numbers and the, and the high counting stats, um, I, I think Foscue could be a guy that, that could give you some serious ROI, return on investment. And then Greg Jones, just because I think he's the freakiest athlete out there. I think those, those are the, like, if you're going to buy two, I would put those two together, right? Because Foscue's safe. I mean, compared to some of the others, which is crazy to say, because there is some swing and miss. But the thing with Foscue is I think he's going to hit enough. I, I really do still think he's going to hit enough. He made some good changes uh, towards the end of his collegiate career. 
And also it's just easy lift. So he's going to run into his home runs. He's one of those dudes that even though it's 50 to 55 raw power, it's also 50 to 55 game power. Uh, The game power and raw power are like adjacent. I'm looking at this card right now. 2019 Bowman draft Chrome, Greg Jones auto out of 50 gold wave PSA 10. Oh, that's gotta be, that's gotta be a lot of money. How much do you think it is? I'm assuming it's cheaper than we thought. So is it like $500, $600? Um, it's an auction. The current bids at, at $2,250. I would go throw a bid in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I will, th- I will throw a bid in that. Because here's the thing with Greg Jones. Is Greg Jones's cards are cheap um, because he's not a consensus top 100 guy. But he has – would you say that Greg Jones has more upside than anybody on this list? Yeah. He just went over. Right? Yes. If Greg Jones puts it together, he's an all-star and he's probably the only guy on this. He's probably the only guy on this list that if he puts it together, maybe Ronnie Mauricio, but it's just really hard to imagine Ronnie Mauricio putting together. If if Greg Jones puts it together, he's an all-star and you can get his Noel. Jokensi Noel as well. Greg Jones Bowman Cromato is $16 right now on eBay. I just said 1660 for his base card. Yeah. Are you going to go grab one right now? (laughs) Yeah, I have a couple. I probably go probably grab a couple more. Um, Jokensi Noel is probably my number one that I'm buying, uh, but it's not even out yet. It's out in yeah. a week. Uh, so it's a little bit of a cop-out answer, uh, but that's one that, that, you know, again, when I'm buying cards at that low of a price point, I'm okay with the risk. $16 for Greg Jones. If I lose $16, whatever. If it if he turns into what he can be, that's a several hundred dollar card. So like, you're okay with taking that risk, uh, but then you also can balance that out with the Foscues, which are more in the $40 range. But I think Foscue is going to be a big league infielder. I, I, I think it's pretty safe to say Fossey's going to be a big league infielder, whereas Greg Jones, he could fly him out in AAA or it could be an all-star. He's like that wide range of outcome guy. Hedge him. Hedge him. Um, that, that is probably it on the, on the position players. People don't like to collect pitchers. Um, I would not touch Asa Lacey with no. a 10 foot pole. What do you think no. Asa Lacey's cards are going for? Cause I've, I was buying a bunch of 2020 draft. Um, and so when I was buying those boxes, naturally I pulled a bunch of Lacey base cards and I put them all aside. Cause I go like, oh, number four pick in the draft. We'll see how he, let's see how he does. Uh, there's nothing I can really do with him now. I don't think, because I don't think anybody really wants Asa Lacey. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to guess Lacey's uh, value right now, but I do have Gavin Williams's value up. I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at a first rookie card auto Bowman Chrome for Gavin Williams. And they're, they're hanging around 15 to 30 bucks. Wow. Is Lacey 60, 40. Okay. I'd rather have Gavin Williams. Yeah, I think so. I know we just had our disagreement there in terms of what his ceiling could be. Um, but with the way the guardians develop arms and a guy that throws a hundred uh, and a lot better has, than how the Royals develop. arms. Yes. And has the, the secondary stuff that, that he is already flashed. I would, I would throw some, a couple bucks on him, but yeah, I think that the go-to purchases, what, what I am buying out of the just missed guys, because I always load up on some super cheap guys just to just sprinkle in there. Um, and yeah. I'll talk, I always talk about on the Fridays, you know, who, who the big names are that I'm buying. Uh, but 
I will 150% be buying Jakensi Noel, just so you know. I will be buying a bajillion of those. And if I can get a super rare Greg Jones card, I absolutely will too. But Jakensi Noel, I will be hunting in the 2022 uh, Bowman baseball release in the next 10 days. And I'll be buying boxes on eBay as well. We, we should just buy the boxes. Forget specific cards. I like every prospect. Curtis Mead's in there. A bunch of other guys are in there. Like I'm going to be buying the boxes. George Valera. Uh, so we'll talk about those guys when we get into the top 100, which will be live on Tuesday with every single write-up on every single guy. I mean, you've been editing, Jack, uh, all of these write-ups. It's got to be like 40,000 words. Yeah, no, my brain is mashed potatoes. I bet yours is mashed potatoes right now, but it's going to be so fulfilling when we get that thing out. If it goes live at 8 a.m., I might be cracking a beer at 8.04. <laughs> I'm excited. And so the way we're going to be breaking it down to, to wrap up here is uh, once the list is out, Jack and I are going to go through from a hundred all the way down to, to one and break it up over several episodes and explain kind of why we had those guys where that, where we have them and uh, just discuss the write-ups and discuss who they are as players as we fly through from a hundred all the way down to one. Uh, and maybe we'll, we'll be even field a few questions uh, because I'm sure we'll get a lot of questions when that comes out. And I'll, I'll pull a couple questions that I have on each player and answer those as well. Uh, no, but I'm no really questions. excited to do that. No questions. no questions. Nobody's allowed to have an opinion on the top 100 aside from us two. And, and Ryan Finkelstein. And any genuine question I'll be offended by. I'll take that yeah. as, 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 a, as I would say, sliding of my perspective. Yes. That's no, how you I, have to do it, right? I, so I think if anybody questions your work, you have the right to tell them that they just made you feel like less of a professional. <laughs> I, that's, that's how, that's how it goes sometimes. Right. We just, uh, so honestly, very much looking forward to any questions you have. Yeah. If you really have a disagreement, I, I, I personally will not be upset. I promise. Um, and we can, we can talk about it and I can try and answer anything on, on the podcast when we start breaking down the list, which will be very, very soon. And it should be live on Tuesday. So looking forward to all of you checking that out. We'll also have an article breaking down some of the just misses as well. After that list comes out, Jack, what do you got this week in terms of what, what you're calling? When are you calling games? When should people tune in to the Indianapolis Indians? I got Indy hosting the Columbus Clippers, the Guardians AAA affiliate, and that roster is absolutely loaded right now. We talk about the Akron Double Duck or the Akron Rubber Ducks. Oh, you did I what I did. You did what I did what? there too. I did the Akron Double Days thing too. Yeah, yes, you did do the Akron Double Days. No, I worked for the Auburn Double Days, but the Akron Rubber Ducks have one of the most uh, loaded rosters in all of minor league baseball. But as I pull up the Columbus Clippers schedule or uh, roster, they have a, uh, a very solid collection of guys that I'll be seeing this week. Um, Peyton Battenfield I'll be seeing. Ooh, I like that. I'll be seeing Tanner Tully. Eh. Um, Gabriel Arias, Tyler Freeman, Nolan Jones, Richie Palacios, Will Benson. Uh, this will be a very interesting week. So, We'll see how that goes. Uh, I've got Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with the great Howard Kelman. And then Andrew Kappas has Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Hell yeah. Looking forward to tuning in. And Nolan Jones also a just misser as well. Uh, but intriguing prospect nonetheless. And looking forward to getting your report on him after you see him this week. Uh, speaking of this week, it will be a very action-packed one on the prospect side. So stay tuned. Stay up to date on Twitter as well at armlayton 8 at Jack McMullen 11 Do you have the 11 in there? Or is it just Jack underscore McMullen? No, I've got the 11 in there. Got the 11 in there. Big 11 guy. Uh, or uh, at the underscore call-up pod. 
Thank you as always for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you on Wednesday. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.